Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club book number 27, Jessie and the Super Brat, which I did not read as a kid, uh, so I came to this new and was not prepared for the twist. What about you guys? Me neither. I didn't read it all. I read it. I had also completely forgotten the twist. I did remember, like, oh yes, the kid who starred in some TV show is from Stony Brook and comes back and everyone is incredibly embarrassingly uh, cringy about it. Um, but I'd forgotten the twist until I read the little conversation where they're dropping some hints about the whole twist. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, I remember what happened, I think. But yeah, I wasn't sure, but it rang a bell. So yeah, this one was like kind of vague yeah. to me. I, I remembered like the first half of the book, basically. I thought I remembered the ballet subplot, which is kind of fun actually to reread <clears throat> or to yeah. read but but I think I was remembering a different Jesse has ballet drama book um, <laughs> that seems quite possible it did seem extremely familiar but mm. like when has there not been a ballet story that involved person who likes ballet goes to several auditions is stressed <laughs> yep that seems pretty uh I hadn't admittedly um remembered uh jesse's amusingly maladaptive coping mechanism uh, <laughs> yeah but yeah no i don't think i i remembered that at all that was uh yeah that was, a, it was an enjoyable aspect of the whole thing i thought it was really funny though mm. oh yeah i actually really enjoyed this book yeah it was it was good i liked it i read it in about an hour last night uh which i think is a new record for me um <laughs> i don't have that many notes it's, it's not <laughs> a long okay. one um so yeah, to, to before we can really do our ritual hating on the UK cover, um, you have to compare it to the US cover because on its own, the UK cover is just kind of a cover. It's fine. It's like Jesse and a boy. He doesn't look too happy. She doesn't look too happy. It's unremarkable. Mm-hmm. The US cover, like Hodge Swillow has thrown everything at this. <laughs> yeah. um, all of these fictional people he's drawing are overacting wildly. It's very hammy and I love it. They look like an amateur dramatic society um, that has been given sort of a a vague description of this book. Yes. uh, And are just like, all of them think they're the star. Oh, which is sort of relevant. (laughs) They look like they're doing a still for something. Yeah, they do. It actually, yeah, it looks like they've been asked to all freeze at the most dramatic point of the scene in a drama class. So we've got Derek Masters, who's the like the babysitting charge of the week, screaming at three other boys who are screaming, and Jesse is doing just the most over the top like, like cough shrug, shrug, hand dramatic. on forehead, like <laughs> she's clearly just taking a deep <gasps> breath. Yeah, she's also kind of rolling her eyes a bit. She is yeah. fed up and and <laughs> a bit mortified, I think. Yeah. So like this this cover promises you cheesy fun. With misbehaving kids and and drama, the UK cover by comparison promises you a sad boy. <laughs> I just made an observation about the cover. I'm looking at this on a phone, which is why I hadn't noticed it before. But um, all four of the boys are holding shuttlecocks. <laughs> I guess otherwise, if there was only one shuttlecock, you might not pick up that they're playing badminton. <laughs> the, the rackets and the net might not be enough of a hint. And all four of the boys 
and Jesse are holding badminton rackets. Again, you've really got to sell the badminton aspect of this book, which is could not be more central to the plot. <laughs> Maybe they are. The plot. What they're arguing about is whose shuttlecock is going to be the one that gets used, and they're Maybe really invested it. in it. I mean, <laughs> I just not very sporty, but also I distinctly remember there being one shuttlecock in a game. <laughs> <laughs> um, there. Uh, one of the boys has a football on his shirt. The one in the middle has uh, I can I'm looking at it in high def and it says skating across <laughs> it. so clearly they're sporty and I think the stripy shirt is meant to be like a baseball adjacent shirt I think it's right it's indexical of baseball so <laughs> they're boys boys play sports Hodges is chasing the coveted badminton kid demographic with this cover I think uh I'm pretty sure this is the triplets this is the pike triplets it is because yeah, the triplets, they're very yeah. similar looking and they're just arrayed against yeah. Derek Masters who <laughs> If he's not saying why I oughta, then I just I just don't know what it is that he is saying. He's got a clenched fist and everything. Yeah. It's really why I oughta. One of these days. <laughs> Straight to the moon. Exactly. Yeah, by contrast, our anonymous UK artist is going after the coveted people who like sad boys demographic. Like, yeah. It looks like a serious issue book. Something that delights me about this is that, so it's way too early to be photoshopped, but it absolutely looks like a poor quality Photoshop. Yeah. Um, they've done something weird with the lighting, which is an attempt to make it look like there is light shining on them from some direction, but it's from two different directions. <laughs> um, And like, they're both kind of glowy. Uh, and part of Jesse's shoulder is kind of disappeared because it's behind the boy. Yeah, it looks like one of those really overlit scenes that's kind of hastily filmed outside um, where they've got the big silver umbrella reflector things and everyone looks like way too glowy. Yeah. Well, this also features a badminton racket, but just one because the sport is not quite as central in the opinion of this cover artist. And also I think this cover artist never can bestir themselves to draw more than two people per cover. They obviously hate drawing people that are bad at it, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're playing to their strengths by not drawing more people. But um, yeah, Jessie just looks like she's sort of restraining the urge to murder everybody, which is actually quite like accurate to her mood for a lot of this book. <laughs> it's fair. She, she's she's feeling very full of righteous anger. But um, anyway, yeah, that's our cover. Um, who wants to give us a one sentence plot summary? Eva largely did actually at the start. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, uh, you go go for it, Eva. <laughs> yeah, a a child. TV star moves back home to Stony Brook. Everyone loses their goddamn minds about it. He gets in some drama at school and then leaves again. <laughs> yep. Basically that. That um, is the Oh, and Jessie has ballet auditions. Yes. Jessie has auditions. Um, she kind of also has like a midlife crisis at the age of 11. Yeah. Over whether she wants to do ballet or not anymore. Yes. Um, she can't decide which industry to be chewed up and spat out by. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, Jessie. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad. Like, she she never really realises that neither of these is actually a great future. Oh, sweetie. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, we will. <laughs> There's so much to talk about when we get to that point. Yeah. Um, do we save the twist for the end or do we spoiler the, the, the people now? I guess we save the twist for, like, when it unfolds in the, yeah. in the narrative. It's like... Ah, look. It's a pretty small reveal, but it's all we've gotten this to like keep people hooked. So. No, that's entirely fair. <laughs> we got to milk this twist for all it's worth. Okay. 
where do we start? So yeah, we start with the, the generic intro chapters. Um, we really do, right at the start start. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. I was actually admired the restraint because we don't get Stacy's potted biography and medical history. <laughs> oh, that's just that She's moved to New York and I live in her house now. And I'm like, great, that's all we ever needed. Yes, I was impressed. It was beautifully stacy light. Yeah, because they haven't met yet. No. So it's good that we don't, get to hear about her yes in the previous jesse one she gave she told us about stacy having diabetes and mm. it's like why would you tell people the medical history of the girl that lived in your house before you <laughs> she's yeah. not haunting the house <laughs> no although she kind of is because jesse is really in awe of new york in this book and i feel like she's absorbed some ambient stacy vibes god i read this in too much of a hurry i didn't even notice that I think, I mean, it's not like Marianne levels. No, no, but she's definitely like intimidated by the concept of New York. The concept of ballet dancers from New York, which. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is more of a, there are a lot of expensive ballet schools in New York thing, probably. Yeah, but she doesn't really spell that out. It's just like, oh my God, they're from New York. I can't cope. No, that's true. There, I think there's a later Juilliard plot, actually, um, uh. where uh, she, I think she auditions for Juilliard. I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce it. Um, I think it's Juilliard. Ju- I think on Gossip Girl they called it Juilliard. Uh, she she auditions for the fancy um, ballet school that begins with a J much later on. And yeah, so I think that's probably the, the implication here. Okay. Uh, there, there may be a little bit of shying away from proper brand names in this book. I have noticed. Is oh, as, as all else I'm saying. You've got some research for us later on. <laughs> Are we going to have more delightful frozen lemonade moments? As they like to do in the intro chapter, they establish the themes of the novel. Mm. So uh, we have a a casual scene of Jessie and family at home. As always, her family are delightfully wholesome and affectionate, and they're all sitting down to watch TV together, even though it's like a primary school ripoff of Saved by the Bell, clearly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Saved by the Bell actually had, it came from an uh, elementary or middle school based thing with some of the same characters in. Yeah. It just oh. got much bigger. Yes. So I'm getting massive Good Morning Miss Bliss vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Becca is in love with um, the like cool black guy on the TV show mm-hmm. uh, who's called Lamont. Uh, he's smart, funny and good looking. Um, there's also a dorky white guy called Waldo who's the screech of this show, basically. Mm-hmm. Who tries to solve things with science. Yes. But including answering questions in history class that are actually science questions. Because uh, nerds. Because, yeah, nerds are hilarious. <laughs> but it turns out that the kid who plays Waldo is a stony brooker because Becca's best friend, Charlotte Johansson, uh, knows all the, the stony brook gossip. And apparently everyone who's lived in stony brook for any amount of time knows that uh the kid that plays Waldo is this guy called Derek Masters and he's from Stony Brook and he's a local boy made good. So there's mm. the themes of the novel. Um, celebrities. They exist. They exist. They they are they are just like us, um, except that they're cooler. Uh, Becca keeps calling LA LP. <laughs> yes, which is adorable and a joke that I will have to explain to my child if she ever reads this I, book. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading it and thinking... And even when I was reading it, I I don't think I would have used the word LP or heard the word LP God, more no. frequently mm. than the word LA. Like we had a record <laughs> player, but 
Mm, no. No one called them an LP. I remember seeing references to LPs in the Beano and being like, I have no idea what that is, but it looks like a record. I knew what they were because I would read every word on the cover of the LPs. And they would say <laughs> LP on them somewhere. <laughs> um, and then also someone had explained to me that it was long play and that, yeah. It was a little That's switch fair. you could flick on the record player, depending on whether it was a small one or a big one. The big one was LP and the small one was like for singles and that, and you had to turn them at a different speed. Oh, we weren't allowed to touch the record player. You had to be a grown-up. Oh, no, I was allowed to, I, I was allowed to touch the record player and I used to put on the Queen, Queen's Greatest Hits when I was very small in the Aww. morning and crank it up and listen to Don't Stop Me Now. I even knew how to that you could see where the track started and you could put it in front of like whichever track you wanted to listen to so you could skip songs. Mm. You just to lift the needle up and drop it down the right place. And um, yeah, I would listen to Don't Stop Me Now and like jump triumphantly off the dining room table that's amazing it still makes me want to jump off the dining room table to be honest with you it's such a good morning song one of my housemates in college listened to it every morning on the bus to college to get himself amped up for like learning kanji it was great yeah i like it my parents had a collection of lps that i'm pretty sure i didn't listen to any of them um but i think they must have bought it as a random box at a like a garage there was no excuse for this um otherwise <laughs> there was one that i think was like a charity single that had been released by a bunch of school kids oh, i was God. like okay maybe somebody strong-armed you into this but then there was like a <clears throat> like one, uh, one of um like baroque music which had a like a line drawing of all the instrument players on the front and i used to be fascinated by the guy who was playing a serpent like so that was the main appeal of that one. But they also had a, um, at some point, the cast of Sesame Street released a Saturday Night Live themed, no, a Saturday a Saturday Night Fever themed LP. <laughs> and they had that. I do not know why. Oh, and they had Boney M as well. <laughs> it was just the most. We, we had all albums. Mostly it was like, there was Queen's Greatest Hits. That back mm-hmm. when there was only one Queen's mm. Greatest Hits album. Um, oh that's a long time ago. i know right um there was two albums of kids songs uh one of which i later listened to on a trip around england trip to a tai chi competition in england in college because the guy who was driving had brought two tapes that and the best of dance 1992 <laughs> um, okay he knew what he was doing and um the only ever other thing i ever really listened to on there oh no 60s mania Two, as a compilation of 60 songs on two uh, LP. I really like that. was actually pretty good. Um, and they had like facts from each year of the 60s printed on the inside of it, including the fact that like, in, I don't know, maybe 1962, pure guess of the year, like a young Prince Charles, 14-year-old Prince Charles got, got caught ordering a cherry brandy in a pub. <laughs> um, and a Vital historical context for this music. I mean, I thought it was important. And, um, well, I mean, it was the only one of the facts that I had any, like, context for. I knew who Prince Charles was. And it's clearly stuck with you. The rest of it was all, like, politics and stuff. I had no idea. (laughs) And Christopher's Lady in Red as a single, which, when I was about three, I said, Daddy, bring me something back. He was going to town or something. And he was like, what will I bring you? And I was like, not a toy. Bring me back a present like adults get. (laughs) so i really liked this song when it was on the radio apparently so he went and bought me christopher's lady in red (laughs) 
Oh, that's kind of cute. And were you pleased that's, with it? Yeah, I really liked the song. Like, I was Okay, delighted. that's adorable. <laughs> it's not terrible, you know, all things considered. <laughs> but no, um, it's not. And also, I kind of have a, like, you can't actually mock me for this because I was three answer to what was the first single you ever got. I will just say while we're on the subject of vinyl, we had a vinyl record of sound effects and I could not understand why my family didn't want to sit around and listen to it the whole way through. <laughs> I was really pissed off that they wouldn't. Um, yeah, this this memory came back to me recently and I was like, oh, I understand now. Yeah, that would have been torture. <laughs> my brother had the opposite. He bought a tape of Scatman John. <laughs> that one song that was in the chart in the mid-90s. And uh, he uh, was super angry that when he played it, everyone else could hear it. <laughs> he didn't have a Walkman. He was like, I bought this with my pocket money. It's not fair that Aoife can hear it. These are my sound waves. <laughs> she likes that song too, but I paid for it. It's not fair. <laughs> to be honest, oh I wish more people God. had that like viewpoint when they're listening to music on the bus i mean in public spaces yes but at home that's the pettiest shit like (laughs) i need to put drm on this cassette pretty much yeah it's amazing god spotify would love that yeah they could make it so it can only be heard by the person (laughs) who owns the account and nominated users drm in your ears (laughs) all right so jesse goes to meeting christy is hilariously pretending to be like an entrepreneur by chomping on a pencil like it's a cigar, which I love and reminds me of like noir detective Christie from the Christmas super mystery. Yes. Well, it's Jessie who, um, she's doing, Christie's doing the chomping, but Jessie is like, it looks like a cigar. <laughs> I think Jessie has been watching some old movies because there's a couple of references in this that are hilariously like retro. That but- actually makes sense because I did highlight at one stage in that thing that like, She's talking about Christy and her brother's moved over to the ritzy side of town. I'm like, that's a weird <laughs> word for an yeah. 11 year old to use. Nobody says ritzy. It's a great word, though. Oh, People should say it ritzy. I'm, I'm glad it was in the book, but also 11? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can definitely picture a sort of like jazz trumpet blaring in the background for some of these <laughs> bits of dialogue. There's a bit where she like pictures herself switching over to um modeling and having some kind of uh, sleazy agent type saying yeah you're perfect i'm gonna make you a star <laughs> which yes. is also it's it's real bugsy malone kind of yes <laughs> yes exactly i did also like the fact that in this chapter has the line you might not think someone so into art would be into cheese doodles and tasty cakes it's like yeah yes. I have that. Why? why would you think that why not this why is not a contradiction would you artists don't like cake i what <laughs> yeah that made no sense to me either can i jump in here now yes or do we need to progress to the next bit well if this is topical historical food research lay it on us okay so what it was cheese doodles was it i didn't look up the cheese doodles i i i believe in the cheese doodles okay i've definitely heard ned flanders use the phrase cheese doodle so yes. i'm willing to believe they exist it's a it's a real snack um so tasty cakes Yes, tell us about tasty cakes. Well, Google certainly did not tell me about tasty cakes. (laughs) So um, I had to do a little bit of digging. So, okay, there are bakeries uh, that are called tasty cakes with two... So it's Mm -hmm. T-A-S-T-E-E. And it's a pretty cromulent name for a bakery. Mm -hmm. But one of them is in Moat, County Westmeath. So probably (laughs) not what's being referred to here. Another is in Bald Knob, Arizona. 
<laughs> not what is being referred to here. Um, I regretfully have to say I don't think it's either of those two. Um, so what I think is the most likely reference here is <clears throat> this big Philadelphia baking corporation, which I know about from the Stephanie Plum novels called Tasty Cakes, which is Tasty K-A-K-E-S, which has been around since like the 20s, as you can imagine from the, the spelling, and which Stephanie Plum basically feels really bad for everybody who lives outside the Philadelphia metropolitan area um, because <laughs> they cannot access Tasty Cakes on a regular basis. And they do seem to be a kind of a prepackaged thing, um, including butterscotch crimpets, which I, I am now extremely curious about these. Um, yeah. But, um, so that's not what she wrote in the book. That's not no. what Anna Martin has said here. Um, the, but I think this is the likeliest candidate for a thing. She did a deliberate misspelling on the wrong word, basically. Yeah. And it's either like, oh, it's some kind of, it's a cake thing or whatever. Or um, then I, I thought about this uh, a little bit more and I was like, maybe Jesse doesn't know what the spelling is because Jesse is watching her weight as is established oh, in no. previous books. And like, that's terrible if that's the case. I want Jesse to have tasty cakes because um, apparently they're great, according to Stephanie Plum. And so I checked on the website. I was like, well, they are a Philadelphia thing, but according to um, the Tasty Cakes website, they can be got in 2021 Stamford. So probably Ooh. this is what... Um, uh, I want to believe that Claudia has an out-of-town connection who will like ship her some regional snacks. This seems like the kind of thing that would get, yeah, the people would be like, you know, oh, I'm homesick. Send me some tasty cakes. <laughs> or maybe Janine hooked her up on the dark web. <laughs> the, the very early precursors of the dark web. <laughs> I love it. Headcanon accepted. So yes, Jesse has hallucinated this weird like contradiction in terms between liking to draw and eating tasty cakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we raise our eyebrows at that and move on. Um, then, uh, Mrs. Masters phones up looking for a babysitter for Derek because they're back in Stony Brook for a while. And to her great excitement, Jessie is the only one available. So she's going to babysit a famous kid. (laughs) So yes, hilariously, uh, they're like, okay, you're booked in for Wednesday. As you can see, things were already going awfully fast. That's what happens when you get involved with showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. That was like... The cringiest line in the entire book. <laughs> I like even when I was twelve and reading that, I was just like, "Kid, you're not involved in showbiz." <laughs> sure. I didn't understand then, and I don't understand now how anyone could suddenly become so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because it's the theme of the book. People meet celebrities and they get crazy. I think. Um. So in the previous chapter, where they're sitting around watching TV. Um, Jesse hears from her sister that the kid has been, that he's a Stony Brook um, kid. And this is the point where she really freaks out and she's like, oh my God, a real, a real life celebrity. I don't think we kind of emphasize this as, as much. And she, so she calls up Mallory to get the gossip. And then she very excitedly makes Mallory put Nikki on the phone because Nikki was in his class. Yeah. um, And is apparently the only one who was decent to him. Um, uh, So they like... So this is, there's a line that I have. She was like, wow, I couldn't believe that no one had told me any of this before. This was hot news. <laughs> it's really not though, because... <laughs> they didn't tell you before because everyone else already knew. Yeah. Uh, and also he had left. Yeah. Um, And it wasn't actually 
that hot of news that somebody was on a TV show. <laughs> yes. Someone who wasn't even in her class. It's like, oh yeah, the younger kids in town used to know a kid who's now mildly famous. How could nobody have told me this before? Stony Brook is clearly lacking for hot news. The Stony Brook Gazette has been falling down on the job. There's no local pigs going hog wild. Yes. But also, there's no way in a small town that she actually wouldn't have already known that, though. (laughs) Well. Like, realistically, it's because Anna Martin hadn't thought of it before now. Yes, I was thinking that when I was like, I couldn't believe that no one had told me any of this before. Why didn't you tell me you were an alien, Gareth? This makes this sitcom so different. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the way small towns are, that would have, like, been... That's a point. Yeah. Yes, welcome to Stony Brook. We have a child star on a national uh, TV show. Did you hear about that? (laughs) Yes, it's on a sign on the way into town. (laughs) Speaking of things that Stony Brook has, did you know it's also got a civic centre? Where there's going to be a ballet. It's got a civic centre that is apparently like a real hub for the arts. (laughs) I know, right? Sounds terribly well funded. Feels like the kind of thing Jesse would have known about. It's not in New York City, but it's so good that it might as well be, says Jesse. And this is where I got like a powerful bang of Stacey off that line. Like, Uh, so good it might as well be in New York is an extremely Stacey thing to say. This is probably where they deploy the park staff that are there to entertain children with arts and crafts in the park from <laughs> yes mm-hmm. during during school time they're at the civic center uh making sure it's up to new york standards so there's going to be a swan lake production at the civic center and jesse's ballet teacher is encouraging her to audition um oh yes also a lot of famous stars that you would have heard of are always performing at the stony brook civic center <laughs> which is hilariously half-assed whitney houston keanu reeves <laughs> he just shows up and talks about acting i don't yeah, know he, he does monologues um <laughs> uh, so jesse is excited at the idea of auditioning but is also afraid because dancers from new york will be there uh and i quote how can i compete with dancers from new york do i even want to I'm telling you, Stacey's got in her head. Stacey has mm. permeated the house. There. She's seen Starlight Express and she's been so <laughs> blown away <laughs> by the by the dancers on that. Or let me be more accurate, the roller skaters on that. Yeah, that, uh, yeah it's just... Um, the glamour. She's reconsidering, but not for the reason that she thinks she's reconsidering. <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> so, yes, her parents are maddeningly supportive and tell her that whatever she decides to do is fine. She mm-hmm. can audition or not. And she's like, oh, I want someone to boss me around. And yeah, that's a good like, line, actually. Yeah, like, it's, um, yeah that was incredibly realistic. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, you're not going to love adulthood because, like, it's that all the time. <laughs> yeah. What, what she specifically says is, I think... Um, uh, she's like, oh, they're always willing to make decisions for you. And it's like, no, you have to go to bed. It's half nine. Um, but that when you have a big life decision and you want someone to make it for you, they're like, oh, whatever you do is fine, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those bastards. Yeah, that was extremely relatable. Yes, that was good. <laughs> so, yes, next chapter, Jesse is going around to babysit for Derek Masters, which is in caps, and his brother, which is not. <laughs> <laughs> So Becca is asking her uh, to ask him all kinds of questions about her crush, Lamont. We never find out what Lamont's real name is, just the character name. Um, he has no life off the TV. 
Yeah, Jesse is also a little bit confused between fiction and reality because um, Derek's character on the TV show is a science nerd and she's like, oh, maybe Derek can help me with my science homework. Um, he is also like eight. Yeah. So she's she's <laughs> really expecting a lot from this kid who plays a nerd on TV. <laughs> and then she's very confused that he's not like basically in costume as Waldo either. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, no, Did the glasses are costume. Even the hairstyle is a hairstyle. I've never met one of these people that reputedly, like, you know, sends presents to soap opera characters on their birthday and stuff. Like, no. Do real people think like this? I know she's 11. Okay, that... I've hung out on Tumblr and no. (laughs) Like, (laughs) genuinely. I have seen the full view of human experience. Well, no, (laughs) I've seen a lot of people who are way too into fandom... Yes, okay, that's right. In sometimes terrifying and fre- frequently, like, reality-ignoring ways. Mm-hmm. Yes, but that's true. But generally speaking, like, that, yeah. Oh, you know, the members of One Direction are sending us secret signals about the fact that they're in love with each other, but they can't let anyone know because management are blackmailing them. Ah, management. <laughs> I don't even... Yeah, like they're married to Snape on the astral plane, but they're not gonna send Alan Rickman a pre- like a, wedding <laughs> like, yeah. a lot. I've seen yeah. a lot of batshit stuff, but no, I've never seen anybody sit there and go, "Oh yeah, that actor is basically just the character, and I don't know the difference." Never. I feel like the soap opera thing probably happened once, and it's been told and retold so many times that everyone thinks it happens all the time. I have heard a story of the actor who played Poirot being addressed by a little old... You see, it's always little old ladies who do this, not more <laughs> yeah. media-savvy young people, and it's always decades ago, so it is mm. possibly just... Uh, Dementia, like... Or, a, like, just genuinely haven't around television for that much of your life thing. And, though, I mean, there were always movies, I don't know. Uh, like, yeah, the guy who played Poro being approached by a little old woman who... She, they were filming in her village and she was pretty certain he was there to solve a crime. Um, you know, he just stayed in character and talked to her and she was delighted. And, you know, once he realized that she had no idea that he wasn't Poirot, she just, he just rolled with it. <laughs> it's like cops, but much more genteel. I would like to say that when my mom was growing up, her grandmother would not let her get changed while the TV was on because she was convinced that the newsreaders could see into your living room. Oh my God. Because at the end of the broadcast, he would say, we'll see you tomorrow. And she was like, why would he say that if he wasn't seeing us? <laughs> okay. Uh, even even as an eight-year-old in the 50s, my mom thought this was the stupidest thing she'd ever heard. <laughs> but she would like, dutifully go behind the couch to get into her pajamas. <laughs> Wild. I love it. I guess maybe we can cut Jessie a little bit of slack for being 11 and being a little bit confused. No! <laughs> I was not much older than her when I read this. I cut her no slack at the time and I cut her no slack now. <laughs> okay, do you know what? You're right. I'm, I'm walking it back. No slack. No slack. I'm just, <laughs> she just actually turned into an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Derek seems to have that effect on people. She does not try to play it cool, particularly. She tries to quiz him about like, what's it like to be a kid celeb and then eventually twigs that he doesn't really want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So they go play Candyland, or as his little brother calls it, Landy Cand, which is very cute. I like it. <laughs> so Jesse tells him that she's going to audition for her, uh, for Swan Lake. And he's like, oh, I know all about auditions. I can coach you. Um, 
and Jesse's super excited about this, even though there's never really an acknowledgement that like acting auditions and ballet auditions are probably quite different in like yeah. the details of how they work. But whatever, an audition's an audition. Unless Derek is like some kind of a triple threat and he's also had to dance at auditions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's prepping for a musical. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's all kid production of Starlight Express. <laughs> <laughs> that fandom's still coming for us Um, okay it's fine it's like 12 Germans (laughs) that's four times as many Germans as there are of us could could you take four Germans in a fight Aoife? depends on the size of the Germans (laughs) could I take four Germans in a fight I mean like it would depend on the Germans probably if they were fans of Starlight Express they might be quite old and dorky so yeah Um, next chapter Mallory's very excited about Caps Lock Derek Masters as well. Uh, everyone is losing the run of themselves. Um, Becca wants to know if Lamont is also really into rock collections just like her. And I love that we have rock collection continuity. Yes. <laughs> Although Jesse doesn't like bitch about Becca's rock collection not being like high-minded enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I was also kind of disgusted at the notion of please ask your famous friend if he has the same exact hobby as me it's oh like, no that's super cringe i mean she's she's eight and yeah okay she's eight and she's excited but also this feels to me like that thing where um somebody puts something super specific in a book and you realize that you kind of uncomfortably got an insight into their kink Um, like I shouldn't say this about the kid because it's not the same thing but it's obviously like part of a long like an elaborate fantasy in which they meet up and discover they both love rock collections and then (laughs) they can go for romantic walks on the beach looking for rocks together yes you know uh, yeah (laughs) which is fairly wholesome when it's an eight-year-old girl and like much less wholesome when you're you're like ah you're an old critic and (laughs) you shouldn't call things powerfully erotic unless you have a reasonable idea that this is going to be generally true for everybody please tell me what this is a reference to a n wilson about what a a character in a walter scott novel who's described as being um uh she has a a a tiny body which is covered with a huge mane of hair Sorry, I'm picturing some kind of MR James scenario. <laughs> and I, it's not powerfully erotic. Yeah, I was like, either that or like one of those, you know, she was raised by lions kind of children. <laughs> um like you should you need to establish that this is erotic in a way other than just that she's tiny and covered in hair. God, I'm just picturing like, okay, so in my day job, I'm a copy editor. I don't think I've ever actually spelled that out on here before, but I'm picturing if I was dealing with a manuscript where they described something like this as powerfully erotic, <laughs> how diplomatic would the note have to be that I'd have to put in saying, <laughs> is this description going to be relatable to most of your readers? <laughs> like, you could just say... Um, that the person is the most powerfully erotic character ever written by this person and also is like this. But the implication is that you're really into tiny people with loads of hair. No, actually, do you know what I'd do? I'd suggest 
just saying, sorry, did you mean powerfully exotic? I'm sure that's what you meant. Ha ha ha. <laughs> you also can't use that word. <laughs> yeah, no fair. It's less troubling in this context. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and I mean, you can't say that a tiny person covered in a gigantic, like, full body cape of hair is mundane. <laughs> there's an unfamiliarity to it <laughs> this is the most there powerfully is. mundane character that yeah. absolute just mainstream eroticism like bog standardly sexy I mean it's one of the most commonly used video descriptions in Pornhub so <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Walter Scott is hashtag, hashtag on Pornhub <laughs> Okay, this is maybe going into the outtakes, I don't know. <laughs> no, we should take this in, it's amazing. <laughs> All right, anyway, returning to this wholesome piece of media for children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, eventually Becca tags along to ba- help babysit Derek and catches him up on all the cool gossip from Stony Brook Elementary, such as a boy thro- threw a spitball and got sent to the principal's office. And a bird flew into the auditorium. This is useful info. Um, yeah, like, this is exactly what you'd want to know if you'd been out of school for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could be like, "Ha ha ha! Remember that time the bird flew into the auditorium? <laughs> Am I right?" If you were having trouble, you know, adjusting yeah. to, or like yeah. if a dog came into the school or something, you need to be caught up on these things. I do remember the time the dog came into the school. Everyone remembers when a dog came into the school. It's like it's it's a critical moment in everyone's education. It ran into our English class and jumped into Jamie Rock's lap. <laughs> and stayed <laughs> and had to be eventually hooshed out <laughs> like Jamie do you know this dog no I don't <laughs> he just wants to be with me he's oh. now an opera singer <laughs> the, the guy not the dog not, we don't know what happened to the dog oh I'm disappointed to hear that Karen <laughs> <laughs> so yes Mallory brings the triplets over to meet Derek and Mallory has absolutely lost her shit uh, she tries to shake hands with them and is like, hello, I'm Mallory Pike and you must be Derek. I'm so pleased that you could come visit us in our home today. Yeah. Uh, which Jesse has the decency to be mortified by. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yes, I, I, I misspoke. They went to visit the Pikes, obviously, rather than um, vice versa. But yeah, the point is Mallory is being ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, we don't get Derek's point of view on this. Um, and he could just be like, Oh, 11 year olds are weird. <laughs> yes. Probably. Well, Jessie's very embarrassed. <laughs> and she's right to be. Yes. I was yes. embarrassed reading it. It's very embarrassing. At least it wasn't the point of view character making a tit of themselves this time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's always worse. Um, so they, they, they go to play badminton with the triplets and the triplets are fully on their bullshit mm-hmm. uh, they're offended by the fact that Derek Masters is a TV star and has the temerity to be, temerity to be younger than them uh, just like Nikki because they're personally attacked by oh my God. anyone ever being younger than them I the triplets are such dickheads yeah mm-hmm. they should just they don't need to play with the triplets like yeah you could you could easily be like oh fuck you triplets Nikki come over to our house yeah. You don't have to be at the triplets' house. Yeah, like. and also Nikki and Nikki and and Derek just you badminton doesn't have to. It's not a team sport. Like you could just have two people playing badminton. It's fine. Yes. That yes. would be much yeah. better. You don't need five shuttlecocks. <laughs> also true, uh, <laughs> unless you're playing extreme badminton. Maybe that's what they're doing. Here they are. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, 
Derek is good at badminton and the twins are very offended. So they start like bullying him uh, about the fact that he's a celebrity and everybody sucks. Mm. Um, Jesse is like, I couldn't believe this was happening. Why couldn't anyone just act normal around him? Becca had been hounding him for information. Mal had treated him like royalty and the triplets were going to be jealous and nasty. Each person seemed to have a different way of acting creepy, but acting creepy was the general theme. Creepy does not mean the same thing now as it apparently did then, but yes, everyone is being embarrassing and awkward and various levels of mean. Weird. I I guess the implication of wanting something from the guy as opposed to just treating him like a kid. I guess. Kind of works. But yeah, no, it's not it's not no. quite the same. Yes. Also just like Derek losing his temper. Forget it, he said. Just forget it. Who cares about your crummy old game? He threw down his racket and turned to face the triplets. Anvil head, he shouted. Cactus brain. Pizza breath. <laughs> he is not talented at insults. No, he's not. But you know what? That's that's fine. I like that. Like, if you're not allowed to swear, <laughs> you're limited. Pizza breath is just, like, it's quite common for people to have pizza breath. I know, <laughs> like, it, it's not actually a bad smell but many people eat pizza (laughs) yeah so in second year linguistics college anecdote um we were assigned a a practical project Uh, and i the one that i did with my partner was interviewing people about swearing and about the uh how gendered different swearing different insults were i was one of your survey respondents you were one of them Aoife did i know you at that point i would definitely have given you the survey you did you knew me we met on life journal before you started college um yeah i remember that and we'd met in person i am pretty sure i was one of your survey respondents on that as well so i gave people a giant list of swears and got them to rank them basically uh mm-hmm. and i drew very heavily on the computer science lab that my then boyfriend was in uh and they all with great glee filled out my survey which was very long but i did give people a, a cadbury's cream egg as a reward for filling it out um, and they they not only reportedly enjoyed filling out the survey a lot, um, they also stuck up a copy of it on the wall for easy reference um, <laughs> and reported that uh, it was extremely useful because you could create new swears out of the list by adding face, bag or head to any of them. <laughs> I didn't think of breath, but Derek has actually done very much the same thing here, except he's using cactus instead of arsehole you know which is the level that i was going for i was hoping to shock my linguistics lecturer but she's like she was unshockable she she proved it there were even worse ones (laughs) it turned out that a couple of people in my class had prostituted themselves for the purpose of um what for a linguistics project they had gone on second life as you do (laughs) oh this is so quaint catfished a bunch of people for the purposes of like using mining them for linguistics information about oh my uh, god the ethics karen the ethics i know that that like and my my lecture is like oh okay yeah yeah and even at the time i was like i feel like there's an ethics board that they should have got this past (laughs) and there is and they did not um i was gonna say you didn't run yours past an ethics board either though uh, no, I didn't. No, but we it would have been nobody fine. Nobody was told to do that. It, uh, no, but it was just like, oh, I'm going to show them some rude words. Let's, yeah, yeah, give them a helpline or something in case they're really shocked <laughs> <laughs> by the appearance of the word bollocks on a, <laughs> on a list. Oh. Am I allowed to leave in the phrase prostituted themselves or is that like, is that not something we say anymore? 
I I don't know if any of this bit should. Go. I think it is clearly being used in a tongue-in-cheek manner. <laughs> okay, they whored themselves out, Esther. I'm not. <laughs> they were sluts. There was it was a, a mixed pair. Actually, it was a guy and a girl. They invented this character on Second Life, and she she like had cyber sex TM with a bunch <laughs> of people online, and they used the sex transcripts as their. There's like, did I never tell you set. about this? Are there data set? Um, That's amazing and wrong. Uh, do you know what though? I bet the following year people had to get ethics approval for their projects. I don't know. I don't think you could have expected this to happen a second time. But the, the prostitution bit, right, is not just having sex with random strangers online, which eh, it was yeah. the bit that um they... <laughs> One of them kind of jokingly remarked as part of their presentation, like, oh, yeah, this guy was cool. He was kind of like our sugar daddy. He kept buying us skins and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, there's just the most Second Life anecdote. That is, that is so stereotypically what happens in Second Life. The thing about Second Life is that it is populated only by researchers. <laughs> so they were definitely being used as part of these other people's research projects in some way, but... <laughs> It's fair. Even back then, okay, it's it's defunct now, but at the time it was like literally just wall to wall academics. I've never met anyone who actually genuinely used it, and I no. was extremely no. online at the time that that was a thing. It was always a howling wasteland, like <laughs> like no one I knew used it. God, we yeah, so we're off topic now. Um, All right, sorry. What a shocker! <laughs> but I don't no, know that was a, that was a very enjoyable digression. <laughs> yes. All right, so Jesse um, takes Derek home and awkwardly cheers him up after his bad experience with the Pikes by saying, why do you think they call it badminton? That's quality. Yeah, but there needs to be a punchline. She forgot to put in a punchline. Badminton. Um, <laughs> because the triplets are shitheads. It doesn't need to be a punchline. It's, that's, it's just the pun. It's fine. I, uh, I expected better from Jesse. That's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, the next, time, the next Monday... She is babysitting Derek again. Um, she's a little disappointed that he doesn't have time to coach her on her audition stuff, um, which is a very professional thing to demand from your babysitting charge because he has to talk about his feelings because he's had a genuinely hellish day at school. Um, all the girls fancy him, which they express by mooing like sick cows, apparently, which is upsetting. I can see a mob of girls with a crush behaving in a definitely an embarrassing and possibly quite threatening way yeah no i i cannot genuinely imagine this would be horrifying for him like i can absolutely see a bunch (laughs) of girls get into their heads to moo at someone they all fancy and the poor boy i feel very bad (laughs) i mean i i'm assuming the cooing and mooing is just more like i couldn't even tell what they were saying they were just making sounds at me i don't know possibly (laughs) some of it was that Ooh. Yes, yeah. I'm guessing it's that. Uh, I, I feel very bad for him. Then some fucking yeah. like reporter and photographer have turned up and like start trying to like interview him and stuff and ask him for his autograph. Oh, um, which like someone should get fired for. Then the teacher makes worst him... paparazzo ever. I know. Yeah. <laughs> then then the teacher makes him give a speech to everybody, telling them about his celebrity life. Yeah. Um, everybody yeah. sucks. That teacher is basically like yeah that was like teacher negligence Stony Brook Elementary sucks yes (laughs) um it's just a complete free-for-all later on in the book he's like um uh you know um 
he says, oh, I don't like being in the playground at lunchtime. And uh, Jesse's like, oh, I, that's my favourite part of the day. And he's like, yeah, um, it's completely unsupervised. So the kids can kind of do whatever they want. Um, and that's the bit that he hates. That yeah. seems unlikely. I mean, that seems like an insurance nightmare. I mean, our playgrounds were supervised. There's one teacher walking around annoyed that it was their turn. <laughs> I don't recall, like, a situation in which a student could have made another student's life real hellish because the teachers weren't paying attention. But I guess that probably does arise. I mean, I'm pretty sure and- you could have in quiet corners. Like, yeah. there was one teacher walking around a playground. They couldn't, like, work out the sort of... They can't be everywhere at once. They can't work out the social implications of the little knots of kids and what might be happening. And, you know, they're not going to be able to tell that kid's being ostracised, that kid is yelling insults at that other kid, unless they're within earshot and Mm. they're not. I mean, they weren't even able to stop everyone going around. We had two yards, a big yard and a little yard. When you went into the Mm -hmm. big yard in in third class, um, they weren't even able to stop uh, the big kid. You would be greeted by bigger kids going, have you had your first year baitings yet? And you were told, in fact, if anyone asks you if you had your first year baitings yet, say Can yes. we explain to our listeners what a baiting is? Because I feel like they might they might misinterpret this. It's a beating, pronounced differently. It's not complicated. Have you had your first year baitings yet? And you just say yeah. And then they go away. I've never heard of anyone actually getting beaten. Never even heard of anyone getting hit. Maybe people got a single thump occasionally. But like, it was definitely a very important tradition in our school that we made that the say we are not participate that like kids to new to the big yard were made to feel like they were owed a beating um and the teachers like were incapable of stopping this happening they they would occasionally be like we've heard that there's a thing and it's bad and you shouldn't do it but the fact is no one ever actually got beaten so there were no beatings the, yeah the tradition was did you have your first year beatings yet oh, okay <laughs> that's very civilized in a in a way we had a big yard and a little yard in my school and i was never in the little yard as a student because i was um i was too old for it, it was really for the tiniest the mm. smallest littlest kids and um, but i was assigned to it as a monitor when i was mm. at, at, at jesse's age actually as an as an 11 year old where you had a kind of a vaguely supervisory role i literally don't remember ever having to do anything except be there yeah um because small kids are yeah, yeah. They were they were grand. But um I was I was bored and there was a whole bunch of books out, just like a box of books in the yard for kids who were like wanted to read, I suppose. So and you know me, I sat down and I like flicked through a book and these two absolutely minuscule smallest of the small little girls mostly eyes and hair, you yeah. know, this like <laughs> tiny they um they crept up and they kinda of peered at me and um uh I was like, Yeah, okay, I'm reading my book. And then they burst out into like so much laughter and they're like you're not reading the book you're not making any noise you're just looking at the pictures and then they ran away <laughs> That's they didn't know like, that you could read inside your head like i've been i've been yeah. heckled by a pair of four-year-olds That's That's so cute. i used amazing. to call it reading with your eyes <laughs> mommy i'm reading with my eyes i was so proud oh. when i worked out that i was able to do it That's so cute I didn't think it was cute at the time. I was very huffy. Oh. <laughs> it's adorable hearing it, though. Yeah. It's like, I am a figure of authority. I am a 10-year-old monitor. You will respect me. <laughs> I can definitely girls. read. <laughs> and I can read. 
Oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. Big guard, little guard. That's adorable. So yes, Derek's um Derek's school is shitty, basically. Yeah. Mm. Um the boys all make fun of him because he wears makeup on set and they call him a spoiled brat. Um then yeah. this he asks Jesse if maybe he could be mean and play tricks on the boys in revenge, and Jesse is like, No, I don't think that's a good idea. Don't stoop to their level. And I would just like to say, where was this energy when everyone was pranking Betsy Sobak? Seriously. (laughs) We didn't hear a lot from Jessie in that book. No. I bet she had opinions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was watching Christy and being like, "Mm, this is what not to do. Also, with (laughs) the whole makeup thing, like, yet again, Stony Brook Elementary, hotbed of toxic masculinity. Yep. It sure is. Yep. So yeah, Derek says that... um, Basically, yeah, the kids all suck and there's this extra sucky kid called John who's really mean. And so they decide that the other kids in the class are brats and John is a super brat. The super brat of the title. Or is he? And so they basically like bond by bitching over how much all these kids are terrible, uh, which is fair enough and a good way to cheer someone up in general. Yeah, it it always works for me when people trash talk my enemies with me. Um. So, yes, we then get a Christy babysitting chapter. Um, She's mining all the little kids while her older brothers are out doing whatever it is that high school brothers do. Uh, which is <laughs> Jesse doesn't care. <laughs> Jesse does not care. I can only assume the boys are getting into trouble, which Christy will later find out about and use for blackmail material against them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least they're not giving Christy and her friends, like, lifts to the cemetery. In the middle of the night. <laughs> they're having some fun on their own account for once. <laughs> Um, Karen Brewer is doing her Karen Brewer thing. Okay, can I just say, this is not Karen Brewer doing her Karen Brewer thing. This is Karen Brewer, like, at a level of jacked up to <laughs> extreme Karen Brewerness that we have not seen before. Um, this is this is too much Karen. I, I have, <laughs> Dare I, I say I, it? <laughs> I do love the description of Karen having more energy than a month old puppy, and you know how puppies just can't help chewing on everything. Karen's like that, only it's not slippers she chews on; it's more like life. <laughs> that is a wonderful bit of description. I really love that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically Karen Brewer meets how ridiculous everyone else was already behaving in this book. Um. And and there's a sort of terrifying multiplier effect. And Karen, if if Karen knew about being an influencer, I think she would decide she wanted to be an influencer at this point because she has no interest in acting, but she definitely wants to be a star. Yes. Oh my God. Keep Karen Brewer away from social media forever. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so can I read the, the line? Yes. They're watching PS162, or the show, anyway. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, uh, Christy casually mentions that Derek is in Stony Brook and Karen's like, oh my God, does that mean that like actual real people could be on TV? And she says, does that mean I could be on TV? This was a whole new revelation for Karen. She jumped up and started reciting all the lines after the actors on TV. <clears throat> in my notes, I have, have they considered military school? <laughs> this is only the beginning of this whole bit. Um, that I would be like, Karen, sit the fuck down. (laughs) This is bad TV etiquette. I think, okay, so when I was in college, at one point I was over at my friend's house and there was, I was watching a a stand-up video 
with some mates who had seen it before. And they, uh, the pair of them were doing some kind of bonding thing. I think they were exes and they were sort of like reestablishing, ah, we're friends, friendship kind of thing. And the way they did it was like, they were like, oh my God, Tommy Dernan is so funny. And they spoilered every single fucking joke by going all like, oh, punchline, yeah, before it arrived for like 90 minutes. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm in your house. And that's the only reason I haven't killed you both and buried you already. I think I would have faked crippling diarrhea to get out of there. (laughs) I would have developed a headache and had to go home. I wanted to see the DVD. (laughs) In retrospect, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Because you didn't get to actually watch this. You should have just borrowed it like the next week. Yeah, I should I should have got out of there, but I was like, I think it was one of those things where it's like I could get off the couch and uh, deal with the situation, or I could hope it gets better on its own. Uh, so it didn't. Um, it did not get better. So I think that I, I just saw that bit about Karen reciting all the lines after the people on TV, and was like, oh my god, no, you're not allowed to. That sit down. Yeah, <laughs> somebody rein her in before she uh, becomes an influencer. All right, do you want to talk us through the further crimes of Karen Brewer? Then? <laughs> you're, you're on a tear here. Right. So she has Hanny and Amanda. Over. Christy thought the whole thing might blow over. She figured Karen would go to bed and wake up the next morning having forgotten all about this acting business. Let's just take a minute to laugh sadly at Christy's hubris. Even Jessie is like, obviously Christy had forgotten who she was dealing with. (laughs) I think Christy is just fatalistically hopeful. (laughs) If that's possible. She's just like, only way to be around Karen. (laughs) Maybe Karen will like, have discovered something else fascinating. (laughs) by the next day uh that's the one she has not she spent so she spent the next day trying to get christy to introduce her to derek mm-hmm. and christy fair play to her is absolutely refuses point blank and continues to refuse for the entire day uh karen thinks that he could get her on tv uh, christy's like no he can't do that because he's eight um, he is being devoured by the machine. He is not the machine himself. <laughs> yes. And uh, Karen doesn't believe this or understand this at all. And uh, Karen kept pestering Christy all morning and into the afternoon. And finally, Christy suggested that if Karen wanted to be an actress so badly, maybe she should think of some way to do it herself. Okay, said Karen. So she uh, she goes and puts herself in a ridiculous dress up outfit, which is a big straw hat with a bunch of fake violets on the brim, a pair of long black silken gloves up to her elbows, High-heeled shoes and a yellow flancy dress that looked like it had been somebody's prom outfit. So that's a pretty great dress-up outfit. It is. Oh my god, dress. is it Christie's bridesmaid dress? Ooh. <laughs> Let's Christy decide like, that it is. <laughs> what a nice dress. Straighten the dress-up bag. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> so yeah, so she invites Hanny and Amanda to come over. Um, and it's like, both of them are good friends with Karen, though the two of them don't get along quite so well. Like, no, we had class warfare before between these two. Amanda is the snob. Hanny is like the the down to earth girl. Yeah, from the also from the rich neighborhood. Um, and so they come round. They have they put on a play. Karen is insisting on being the star. Hanny and Amanda are like, that sounds good. I also want to be a star. And like, Christy just basically closes the door and leaves the room. <laughs> she's right. Yeah, and Karen, Karen makes them wear inferior outfits so that she's the biggest star. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, do you know what's going to be amazing? Karen's wedding. <laughs> yeah. Would be deeply terrifying. It would be awful to attend, but it would be amazing to hear about afterwards. That's the one. 
Hanny and Amanda stood crammed behind the chairs which had been moved away for the stage. What are we playing? asked Hanny. Playing? cried Karen. This isn't playing. This is work! <laughs> just the whole thing. You could just read this whole chapter. Uh, anyway, yeah, so they they have a lot of arguments over who's going to be the star. Then they put on... Uh, Christy um, eventually comes back to be the audience for their play and they put on the play. Um, It's hilariously passive-aggressive. It's... I don't even know if passive aggressive. It's like a level beyond that. What like <laughs> extremely pointed? Yes. Yeah. It's a play about becoming celebrities and how Christy is mean and won't help them. <laughs> yeah. It's called Getting to Be Stars. Um, Karen starts out with, "Oh dear, I want to be a star. In fact, I know I'm a star. But the question is, how do I get on TV?" Uh, the two girls miss their cues. Eventually, they come on and serve Karen's will, which is uh, to say things like, did you think of calling that Derek boy? Maybe he could get you on TV. (laughs) Christy says, no, wailed Karen. She looked directly at Christy to make sure the line was having some effect. Then she broke into loud fake sobs and cried right into her arm. Uh, So she decides to go to Hollywood and be discovered. Um, She knocks on door after door, but sob sob couldn't get any jobs uh then she tries just one more door before going home and uh the director who's played by amanda says we've got a show to do here but my main actress just got sick i need someone else to step in and be a star i'm a star then you're hired (laughs) uh then some uh reporters come to interview her and they ask her about the secret of her success. And she says, well, all along, I knew I was a star. It would have been very easy if I could have met Derek. But I knew, <laughs> I just knew I had to get on TV. Karen is actually <laughs> reminding me of Jessica Wakefield in this scene. Yes. This like, yes. She's like a teeny tiny Jessica Wakefield. God, maybe like there's a point at which you come off the Karen track and you go into the Jessica track. I need, I need someone to tell me when this point is. <laughs> I think all parents need to know. <laughs> yes. Early intervention is critical to prevent you turning into a Jessica Wakefield. That was a funny chapter, but also that was terrible. Also, (laughs) if I was Hanny and or uh, Amanda, I would have just left. Yeah, I do think the difference, uh, the reason Karen is unlikely to ever become a uh, Jessica is that Jessica is manipulative and Karen is just demanding. (laughs) That will be, that will be, she'll have to learn to stop. I don't think she's got because even the ones when um, the books when the sweet the the twins are the wafer twins are like seven. Mm-hmm. Jessica is manipulative. She's sly. <laughs> okay. Karen is okay, extremely yeah, direct. Yeah. Terrible <laughs> yes. at manipulation. She'll never be able to use that as her tactic to get through life. She's just going to have to learn how to ask people nicely for things instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. and that will be her saving grace. Yeah, that's fair. I think she does attempt some kind of sly manipulative type stuff in the Karen books, if I recall correctly, and it always goes horribly wrong. Yes. And she has to apologise and be nice to people in the end, which is, yeah, what Good. Jessica Wakefield was never required to do. So yeah, yes. okay, fair enough. Phew. Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole thing. It was intense. I, 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 was don't think, I don't think I ever read this book. I think if I had encountered that at that age, I probably would have not read the book again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even people who haven't met Derek Masters have got Derek Masters fever. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Basically, it infects everyone. Meanwhile, 
Jessie's got her audition. Um, there's going to be three rounds of auditions for mm-hmm. Swan Lake at the Civic Center, LMG. So <laughs> she's super tense. Um, she goes to the audition. Uh, there's cool New York dancers who have shiny leotards and matching leg warmers. Um, there's some generic ballet mean girls who like complain about everyone else's form. Um, and Jessie gets a call back and she's very excited. And that's that chapter. Oh yes. Also Mallory heard a rumor that Derek got into a fight and threw a bunch of food all over someone in the cafeteria. But Jessie's like, no, no, no. That must've been what John did to Derek. And, um, psychologically complex narrative mm-hmm. at yep. this point <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest i i can understand it because like all she's seen is everyone being awful to derek and she like just wants him to have someone in his corner and, yeah like, oh yeah no she's fair. quite invested in yeah in helping derek and i think it's commendable jesse has gotten over her kind of starstruckness and just is now just full on here for Derek, which is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, but it is getting a little bit fight club, is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> little smidgen, yeah. Um, so yes, next Claudia has a turn babysitting Derek. And yes, that's when we get his heartbreaking remark about how he hates the playground because anything can happen there. And Claudia's like, mm. oh, that's what I used to like about the playground. He's like, yeah, <laughs> not for me. Uh, he doesn't say they're not supervised. The teachers aren't really in charge, is what he says. Uh, so teachers are there, but they're not paying that much attention, I think, is the idea. They're flirting and swinging, like, out of their secret hip, <laughs> hip flasks. <laughs> I was going to say they're on their phones, but they're on their telexes. I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're just walking around waiting for this to be fucking over. Yeah. Like, it's what they're doing, <laughs> let's face it. When you say this, do you mean the 80s? <laughs> or their careers? I think their careers, I think they're just like, 27 years to retirement. 27 years to retirement. 27 <laughs> years. I can do this for 27. 10 minutes oh, left of recess. 10 minutes left of recess. You know, oh my God. I can do this for 10 more minutes. That's so grim. <laughs> it was bleak. Yeah, speaking of bleak, Derek continues to recount the crimes of John. Um, he claims that John knocked him off the monkey bars and he got a bump on his head, uh, which is not visible, but uh, Derek's like, oh, well, I guess it healed. Ha ha ha. Um, and then some random boys turn up and everyone is very awkward. And Claudia is like, cool, I'll fix this by inviting everyone to Derek's house. Which, yeah. that's a gamble. It was a gamble and it was an extremely successful gamble. I have here, yes. Claudia casually solves Derek's social difficulties in an afternoon. Yep. No big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's like, yeah, bring, bring him around to the house and you can all hang out together uh, and then she's like, oh, they don't seem to be fighting. I don't hear any screams. I think I hear laughter from upstairs where I sent them to be with each other unsupervised by me when apparently these are bullying him. <laughs> yeah, this could have gone horrendously wrong, but it turns out great. Yeah, I I would have. It's not a bad idea, but you could have done it in the playground where everyone was visible, yeah. like getting them to play with each other. Uh, anyway, it works out. They do seem quite like... They, they sort of get sensible once they find out that Derek lives in a normal house and it's not like a mansion <laughs> or anything and it's like untidy and normal and stuff. So um, again, celebrities, they're just like us. Uh, and <laughs> yes, it's fine. And That's that, basically. Derek no longer has, uh, after this point, he has broken this kind of social barrier yeah. and people start being friends with him in school. Yeah. And we stop hearing about John. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. So actually, yes, Claudia saved the day in this book and doesn't get enough credit for it. (laughs) No, she gets no credit at all. No. Jessie has her second audition and the masters bring her there so that she can babysit straight after. And so that Derek can like cast his professional eye over the audition process. So he listens to the mean girls and they concur that like you do see mean people at auditions and like showbiz is just like that Mm -hmm. then Derek hilariously pranks Jessie by like pulling out a notebook and giving her all this like detailed feedback on her dancing (laughs) uh, that's full of like technical terminology and he's all like yes during the tour jetés your spot wandered and during the PK turns you weren't attaching your foot to the back of your knee and she's like what the hell uh so it turns out he's been cribbing from the mean girls um who have some decent points even though they're a bunch of bitches which is yeah that's pretty funny and like so clever yeah not not unhelpful as well like yeah genuinely like good move derek also like jesse was probably a lot more receptive to Mm -hmm. like having derek produce some useful advice from her than she would have been had she overheard girls being mean yes to her derek is really on the ball and like I, I like him for this scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jesse gets some good feedback. They have the bands. Mm-hmm. Um, they they bond. Um, they have a good rapport. Yeah, they do. They're like, they're fun together. And then Derek's little brother, Todd, reveals that Derek has got cast in a TV movie. So in a few weeks, they're going back to LA mm-hmm. uh, to start filming again. And... Derek is a bit upset, so he asks Jesse if she could come out to LA and start doing modeling work because that was how he got his start. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, hmm. Yeah, he Why? really sells it to her. He's like, you could definitely get work as a model. I like, I can basically, he's like, it's a, it's a sure thing. And she's like, okay, yeah, cool. Well, I guess Derek knows what he's talking about. And he, he, um, he gives her a description of the sequence of events, uh, which is like, it's adorable because it's like, well, you know, you could do some print modeling and then you could do a commercial. And after that, you would definitely get into a TV show because that's what happened to me. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, bless. He was like, oh, yeah, no, we just get you start with newspaper work, then some magazines yeah. and maybe some commercials. Yeah. And then you'll get a TV show. That's how it goes. Yeah, it's like the how, Sims. Yeah. You put in the days and then you just get the promotion. And Jesse's like, well, that sounds fair. Yeah, yeah. cool. And I mean, who knows? Because uh, Jesse does seem to be a go-getter. Like, you know. like, this is what happens when small kids give each other career advice. <laughs> small kids shouldn't have careers. Oh I, know, I know. I know. But I'm like, like, I'm uh, glad this book doesn't go anywhere near as dark as it could. But like, there is a sadness to this whole thing. So like... Yeah, Jessie busts, busts out the yellow pages and ch- starts calling casting agencies. Yeah, yeah, she's amazingly proactive about this. Like, this this one Lake thing mightn't pan out, so I should definitely organise some modelling work. Um, I will, I'll go down that route. That's fine. That's cool. That's what I'm going to do. And her parents are like, honey? <laughs> and she's like, no, no, this is fine. I like, like, her parents kind of going, oh, and then looking at each other and then going, mm, and then going, yeah. No problem, well, honey, whatever you want to the do. Thing. They're like, okay, you go make the calls and yeah. figure out if this is what you want. I, they are such they are such good parents in this whole thing. I love them. They're so, yeah, like all the good parenting in these books, basically. A little bit of it goes to Elizabeth Thomas mm-hmm. and the rest is all the Ramses. Yeah. Um, because yeah. like they're super supportive in her kind of following her dream, but they're also like they have recognized that she's having a bit of a wobble mm-hmm. and they have decided amongst themselves, they're like, just let her do the, yeah, let her do organize a few 
modeling auditions or whatever it's grand yeah it'll distract her it'll distract her while she's incredibly like beyond freaking out about swan lake and lying to herself about it yes um so they're like, yeah, sure, we can do all this. Yeah, just you organize it and we'll talk about it after your audition. And I like, they're like yeah. well, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, modeling. We're not driving you any further than Stanford. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's our red line. That's, that's a healthy um, boundary. Yes. I mean, it was so sensible. Like, it was just yeah. so sensible. And, yeah, You're not going to New York yeah, <laughs> or yeah. LA. I am a little bit heartbroken by like, part of her issue with ballet right now is the mean girls at the auditions and she's like maybe ballet is just too much of a backstabbing environment and maybe modeling will be more chill and oh, I'm like honey. oh honey no oh. no you sweet summer child oh, pet. Yeah. yeah yeah I think um if I wanted to read a little bit more into this I would say like Jessie is always competing against herself and against mm-hmm. her own assessment of her abilities because she's very she's very she is always very professional and she works at what she does um and what she's worried about is that the criticism is valid Mm. so that's why the modeling is so appealing because it seems easier yeah she thinks she's just gonna have to like i know there's a lot of skills involved in modeling but she thinks that compared to ballet this is going to be an absolute breeze yeah uh and that that's what's appealing to her about it she's just kind of it's just escapism yeah. Because she knows nothing about actual modelling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and then, like, it, it is obviously, it's just clearly a distraction. Uh, and her parents recognise this and they just, they just go along with her until she gets through it. Yeah, they're very, like, they, they really have a great sense of perspective on this. They're just like, mm-hmm. okay, this is just what she needs to deal with these emotions. So we're just... We're not going to pick a fight with her about it. And we, we are confident that she will snap out of this sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. Nice. Nobody sits down and is like, no, Jesse, you need to focus on your ballet. God, yes. what will happen if you miss this audition? They're like, yeah, cool. Yeah, good. You're, ba- you're, you're fine. <laughs> We're not going to sign you up with a modeling agency, but if you want to make some calls, go nuts. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah. the modeling agencies seem to be receptive to having 11-year-olds <laughs> call them. <laughs> um, yeah, that stretched my suspension of disbelief a bit. <laughs> The whole thing is just, it's such, so of another era where you have to ring places and ask them for information. I would imagine the modeling agencies were like, no problem, I can send you some forms and the forms all require parental consent and she'll have to go to the office with her mother. So they're fine getting the call from the 11 year old because they know (laughs) that if the 11 year old doesn't have permission, this is going nowhere. Yeah. Like, they're at the cost of a stamp and some photocopying, it's fine. (laughs) Well, that's what we learned from uh, the very informative Sweet Valley book. Oh that well, we read. <laughs> a high schooler can just walk in with uh, too much makeup on, and yeah, get an interview with the boss. It's fine as long as your face isn't too flat. <laughs> Have a bunch of GDPR <laughs> violations and carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jessie. Uh, decides with her friends with the Babysitters Club that they're going to have a going away party for Derek. Um, but they figure out that the only time they can have the party is on the Saturday morning. So they decide mm-hmm. that it's going to be a breakfast theme party, uh, which I am so on board with. This sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> they serve like a buffet of different kinds of cereal and breakfast pastries and stuff. Um, donuts. Donuts. I was uh, on board when they mentioned that donuts would be a big uh, feature of the party. Yes. Yeah, before <laughs> then I was just like, but then Donna's like, okay, thank God they're having actual something. That's yeah. it, breakfast cereal is pretty food. sweet. 
Yeah, uh, uh, particularly <laughs> in, in the 80s, it was probably mostly sugar with a little bit of flour mixed in. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's a, they've got like uncut Lucky Charms and stuff. It's going to be like, no one's going to be hurting for sugar, <laughs> except for Dawn. For the record, you can get Lucky Charms here in Ireland if you go to the super expensive fancy food shop and pay probably the equivalent of $10 for yeah. it. Yeah, they're imported, the you box. see, because we they're imported. don't yes. eat stereotypical leprechaun food in Ireland. I am pretty partial to those marshmallows. They're a, a guilty pleasure of mine, <laughs> but I still won't pay a tenner for a box No of them. way. <laughs> I have never had them because they were super hella banned in our house growing up, obviously. <laughs> <They would have. laughs> On probably nutritional and political grounds, I imagine. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, Don like insists they have to have fruit slices at the breakfast party and mm-hmm. the kids later eat them and I'm like, that's the fakest thing in this whole book. I would no have, if they had nice fruit, if they had like, um, I wouldn't mean like apples, but if they had like pineapple and melon and stuff, I'd have put it all over that as a kid. I'd yeah. probably eat And also Cocoa Pops, mm. you know. They wouldn't I'm, have been the first thing to go. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have gone near them if there was Cocoa Pops on the table. <laughs> Um, there is a hilarious Jessie describing what she thinks Dawn would like in a sandwich moment. Oh yes, earlier yes. on in this, I actually have that highlighted in my notes just because I was like, "Man, I didn't know what tahini was until like twelve <laughs> months ago when someone <laughs> talked about it on freaking Bon Appetit Test Kitchen." I don't watch that anymore because it's problematic. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I think we all assumed that when you when you mentioned it, we were like, "Oh yes, from before times." Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pre cancellation. Okay, so anyway, Dawn's strictly a natural foods girl. Her idea of a good sandwich is tofu, sprouts, and tahini on whole wheat pita bread. Try offering that to Claudia. I just don't know what that recipe is meant to be. No, like a tofu. Sa- I like tofu. A yeah, tofu is great. But I would not put it in a sandwich. Tofu sandwich. I, yeah. You need this is just like like picking four things that are healthy and <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now I can imagine Dawn bringing that in and ostentatiously performatively <laughs> eating it in front of like Claudia. Yeah. Um but it doesn't sound like it would be tasty. It sounds extremely bland and kind of dry. It sounds like a lot of chewing, like so much chewing. Yeah. So much chewing. And it would also be really crunchy because of the sprouts. It really needs like some avocado in there to like moisten it. Yeah. yeah. No, but avocado's for hair arrester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. So yes, they they plan the breakfast party. Um, which sounds rad and I think breakfast parties should be a thing mm. uh, as we have discussed over a breakfast buffet very recently I fucking love mm. cereal <laughs> I just genuinely get excited for cereal every morning <laughs> and yes this is when Jessie tells her parents about her her modeling plan and they're wonderfully diplomatic so um, that's that's how that goes and oh yes they then it's the morning of the party uh <laughs> Jesse and Mrs. Masters are like having elaborate coded discussions about getting enough bagels for the party and stuff like that. Early <laughs> Derek's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grown-ups are weird. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of adorable. It's yeah. very cute. Um and then yes, Derek is giving Jesse more career advice. He's like, So you'll you know, you'll meet with some agents. Here's some people to call. The agents will take you through it step by step. They'll tell you what kind of work you'll be good for, and they'll set you up with a photographer for your headshots. And Jesse's like, Oh, is that expensive? And he says, Yes, yes, but you make the money back on your first job. 
It's so sweet. Yes, he's very professional. <laughs> and, um, yeah, everyone thinks they're going to make the money back on their first job. And I'm sure occasionally <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Jesse is getting a bit distracted from her bit of babysitting duties because her head is spinning with all these new showbiz plans. Forget ballet, I was thinking. Being famous and on a TV series was starting to sound like a lot more fun. Um, and Derek is like, oh, you got to tell the agents that you can do ballet. And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess, whatever. I don't know what the word is here for what she's doing with regard to her ballet career, but she's she's in denial about a lot of stuff. She's procrastinating. Mm. Yes. Um, by, yeah, being all like, I should be a model. Yeah. Uh, instead of, yeah, basically focusing on the ballet. I was like, oh, is this going to be a thing where she just gets too distracted and then she misses out on the audition? Because I'm going to be real sad for Jessie. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think if I was reading this as a kid, that would have been my concern. I'd be like, oh no, she's going to get like a modeling job the same time as the Swan Lake audition and then she has to choose and what if she makes the wrong choice? And ah, like, that's not what happens at all. No. If this was a horse book and she'd got distracted at the Gymkhana, she would have got knocked off and broken her back. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that's the kind of thing that would happen. Yes. Anyway, that doesn't happen, thankfully. That doesn't happen. This is a way more low stakes book. It's fine. <laughs> and this is the point at which Jessie is fantasizing about uh, having an agent from the 1930s. Um, yeah. In my mind, I was somewhere in Stamford in a fancy agent's office. A box of glossy headshots was at my side and the agent was handing me a contract. I'll make you a star, kid, he was saying. He lit a cigar and slapped me on the back. You've got the face. We'll plaster your picture in every magazine across the country. My face in every magazine across the country. I heaved a big sigh. I probably wouldn't even have time to be in Swan Lake. <laughs> oh, bless. This is definitely unrelated to Swan Lake. <laughs> yep. yep. Completely different. Nothing to do with Swan Lake at all. No. Nope. nope, not at all. Sorry, then it's the day of the party. Um, and... They're worrying about whether they have enough juice. And Christy or Claudia is asking, do you think kids like chocolate donuts better than coconut? Which is a stupid question, quite like, frankly. Yes, of course they do. Why are yes. you asking that? Yes. <laughs> Christy's like, get an assortment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good answer, Christy. This is why you're the president. Um, then they're, they're dressing in like dressing gowns to keep with the morning theme. And also so that the kids know that they're like staffing the party. Also... And I just realised, on her way to the party, Claudia called Christy from the donut shop. That means Claudia asked the people at the donut shop, could she use their phone? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I hadn't thought of that at the time because I'm so used to us all having a little computer in our pockets. It's a donut emergency. Please let me use the staff phone. <laughs> we don't usually let customers use the phone, ma'am. No, you don't understand. I have to call Christy. And meanwhile, like this donut shop working is like listening to this 12 year or 13 year old being like, do you think kids like chocolate donuts better than co-? And this other 12 year old voice coming from the other side being like, who cares? Get an assortment. <laughs> Buy all the donuts. Oh, it's for Christy Thomas. It's all right. We've heard about her. You do what you have to do. She has a tab already. <laughs> Yeah, he'll come out of club juice. Um, Christy <laughs> wants them to go full like morning housewife cosplay and wear curlers and stuff. And everyone's like, no, <laughs> we refuse to do this. We have boundaries. We will not be seen in curlers. Yes, this is not another sandwich board incident. <laughs> yeah, dressing gowns only. Also, what I absolutely love is Mallory has got prizes for the party games by fishing all the little prizes out of the cereal boxes. Yes. I 
I feel like the magic went out of the world when they stopped having prizes in the cereal boxes. Did I'm still stop? a little bit gutted. I don't they really haven't had them for years. Why? I guess it's cheaper. Um, what? Not since like, yeah, like I don't think since we were teenagers. It's so sad. That's tragic. Um, Why would yeah, you stop doing that? I miss them so much. I know it's better for the environment, but I don't care. I know. I mean, they were the the really crappy plastic toys. I, that I know. I now have way more of in my house than I want, but I also don't want to throw away because of environmental guilt. But it was so <laughs> exciting. I literally just got rid of some cereal box toys this morning from my own childhood. <laughs> like, I, I I looked them I looked them up on eBay to see if I could sell them, and they're going for like four euro each. And I was like. Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants these. <laughs> I mean, I think they sometimes had like books and stickers and the, stuff. And, yeah, with Weed Bix, you often got to collect tokens and get good stuff get like books. books yeah. Or mm. yeah, or sometimes you'd get like dinosaur stickers and stuff. It was it was good books. Um. So I just was reading this and I was like, I feel like Mallory and Jesse are just like I know they're best friends, but they're at different places in their lives mm-hmm. at this moment in time yes. because Jesse is like, you know what? I better plan a second career for in case my first career doesn't doesn't pan out. I am 11 after all and she's calling modeling agencies and Mallory is like, I'm going to spend all morning fishing plastic toys out of these cereal boxes. <laughs> yeah. It's just a contrast. They're at different <laughs> developmental stages. <laughs> I kind of feel like Mallory and Jesse will maybe like meet up again when they're in their 20s and be like we have such fond memories together but we have fuck all in common <laughs> probably <laughs> yeah one of those kind of friendships where you're like oh i love you but i just i, I can't talk to you anymore at least they both <laughs> like horses i think i think horse girl is all horse girl and babysitting is yeah that will stand in their stead when they're like 35 i mean one, <laughs> yes. do they both like horses or do they both just like horse stories they like horse stories i think so far neither of them has encountered real horses they just like the concept of horses That's no fair. there is definitely no horse riding in any babysitter's book that i ever read mallory ends up going horse riding for sure okay but she definitely mm. hasn't yet they're just but yeah not yet they're just keen on theoretical horses i never read that far but i know i've seen a cover that was like mallory at a gymkhana or something <laughs> i hope she doesn't fall off and break her back <laughs> Probably not. i just feel like this is the only thing that happens at gymkhanas <laughs> they're just mm. injury factors sometimes the mean girl falls <laughs> off and hurts herself <laughs> yeah Sometimes Jezebel gets the cup. (laughs) (laughs) And if the mean girl falls and hurts herself, she'll then magically become nice because that's how injuries work. Yeah, we all know that. Yeah, obviously. Karen Brewer is dressing in her star outfit and Jessie is like, I'm just going to let this happen. Whatever. (laughs) I think that's fair. You can't, you can't like control Karen. At best you can just sort of direct Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So she's stomping off with her heel, her high heels sinking into the lawn, which is perfect. It's no more than she deserves. I really love the race where they have to put on a pair of pants and drink a cup of juice and mm. comb their hair and grab a bag and pass the bag on as a relay. Yes. It's like getting it's, ready in the morning relay race. It's, yeah, very it's so cute. clever. It's a great idea. Party goes great. Um, Becca and Karen are still a bit cringe, but like, it's fine. <laughs> Derek has a good time. Everyone has a good time. And then Jessie has to go to her third audition. Uh, Derek says, break a leg. And Jessie explains that that's showbiz talk for good luck. Which, <laughs> thank you, Jessie. I definitely heard the 
break a leg thing for the first time in a babysitter's club book. Oh, I think it might actually have been the beauty pageant one where it was you it was weaponized by the pipe girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, Jessica gets to the audition. The mean girls have all been cut, which is great. Um I also yeah. love that she refers to them as gossip girls, so now in my picture they in, in my head they've gone back to New York to be like outrageously backstabbing and wealthy. Um, oh, makes sense. Yeah. 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 I liked your description of them in the earlier um, thing as sharks. <laughs> yes. Like circling. <laughs> yes. Uh, she is very good at describing people generally. Um, so yes, she she's getting ready for her audition. She gets excited and she's sort of daydreaming about being uh, a swan and being in a lovely ballet outfit. And she's so excited. And then she's like, well, if it doesn't pan out, I'll be a model. That'll keep me busy. It couldn't possibly be as difficult or as nerve wracking as ballet. <sighs> I mean, if you need a kind of um, fantasy to tide you over the nerve wracking bit so that you're not freaking out about being scrutinized by mean girls from New York, then sure, why not? Like have an unrealistic expectation about a thing you could do instead. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, because for in her case, it doesn't like distract her. She still really enjoys no. doing ballet, and <laughs> she true. apparently does a good job of it. Um, yes. But um, I guess I mainly just feel bad for any kid that read this book and got the impression that the modeling industry was like a wholesome and relaxed place to be <laughs> and pursue stardom, and there were no mean girls from New York yeah. in modeling. Yeah, I, I guess the intention is that it's clear that Jesse is kind of fantasizing here. I don't think but that, would, that be probably wouldn't be clear to like yeah. an 11 year old. It would not have been clear to me. I would have been like, oh, I guess everyone just knows that modeling is much nicer. Uh, yeah. I, I was not good at reading into subtext and things like this. <laughs> I mean, there isn't really any, I mean, other than the fact that we know Jessie is only 11 and very nervous about this thing. And the only other person mm. to tell her about this is an eight year old. We Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're also 11 or 12 or 10 or eight, Nah, you're not going to get it. Yeah, I'm got, I will mm -hmm. hold up my hands and say there's a lot in this book that would have gone over my head at yep. the time. Yeah, I assume it would for me as well. So Jessie finds out that she has to wait four days to find out if she got the part or not. And Mallory is very upset on her behalf. And Jessie sagely tells her that nothing is fair in love or ballet. Uh, <laughs> it's a good line. <laughs> yes, it is. And I love that she's just kind of saying this to sound experienced to Mallory. Like she's been an absolute like, yeah. nerve case this whole time. Which is like, oh, Mallory, that's just how the ballet world works, you know? Like one conversational term above, she's wailing. I have to wait. <laughs> four more days <laughs> yes <laughs> she's like okay i'm over it it's real fake it till you make it yes oh, yeah. god you could like that could be um like a standard format for like samplers or something nothing's fair in love and your career here yeah <laughs> you know? like, love and nursing yeah. <laughs> love and quantity surveying oh, <laughs> Love and bricklaying. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> Love and customer service. Ooh. I mean, yes, definitely. I'm fucking right, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she overhears Mallory like fretting um, to uh, Mr. Ramsey about Jesse's my best friend and I'll just die if she moves away to be a TV star. Um, and her dad is like, no, I think she wants to be in Swan Lake, actually. And Jess is like, no, fuck you. I don't care if I'm in Swan Lake. <laughs> she hears from another room and she's like, you're talking about me and I hear you, but I don't want to be in Swan Lake. And they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're so tight. 
tolerant I of her. Know. It's so nice. It's so like they're supportive. Yes, they're like, like they're very tolerant of her while not like falling for her delusions. Yes, like, yeah, yes. We know you're talking nonsense, and we're not going to give you a hard time about it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, and or or being patronizing. Yeah, like which would be very easy to do. No, no, well. they're keeping all that on the inside. They're great. <laughs> Uh, surprise, surprise, she gets into Swan Lake um, and embarrasses herself by yelling, all right, to the woman on the phone. And then is like, oh, that wasn't very delicate. <laughs> <laughs> and then she babbles thank you, hangs up and realizes she's got no information from the lady at all about what she's about to do next. Yes. And has to ring her back to yes. get like the schedule and stuff. I like how... Um, in the third audition as well, she's been really generous. You know, she's um, she's like watching all the other dancers and being like, yeah, there were some I liked more than others. But to be honest, we were all really good. Mm. And I would have a really hard time deciding which of us to keep and which one of us, which of us to cut. Um, which is sort of a, probably like a, you know, an example of how to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, as opposed to the, 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 mm, the critical. Yeah. It's, Although the bitchy girls did serve a purpose. So, that's true. Hmm. No. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's very mature about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. Sportsman like so much as kind, I think. Yeah, sportsman like is a good term, yeah. So the bitchy girls all got knocked out, which means their performances were worse than the performances they were nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whereas Jessie is hmm. presumably a better evaluator of people's actual skills. She's looking at the final pool going that would be very hard to choose between, mm-hmm. which makes, if she'd been saying that from the very start, you'd be like, eh, probably not though. Um, mm. But uh, if she's saying that from the, 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 on the final pools, like, mm, I can see some people are better than others, but it would be very difficult to choose. Like, that's like decent, that's probably better level of evaluation than the bitchy girls did. And also, knowledge of her own limits, because she's not a casting director for this. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> very true. true. She's, like, yeah. identifying the, the final pool of people going for kind of the same level of role are all within kind of a notch or a two of each range. other to, um, in terms of uh, skill. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. It turns out young children are not actually, like, suitable to work as casting directors, <laughs> despite what everyone <laughs> in this book seems to think. We, that's just discrimination and we need more young children to work as casting directors. Sorry, yes. Normalize small children being casting directors. Yeah. I'd allow it in some cases. Just see see how it turned out, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> It could be eye-opening. Um, so yes, Jessie is very excited to have got her part and uh, then her, her dad reminds her about the modeling thing and she's like, oh yeah, that. Um, and then her dad kindly explains to her what she's been doing (laughs) it's like yeah you've been lying to yourself and distracting yourself and she's like oh okay Mm. adults are wise (laughs) is that what i was doing i asked how did parents know these things (laughs) okay that's not a realistic kid reaction the realistic reaction is like no whatever dad i've got to go and focus on being in swan lake God, parents. <laughs> yeah, but the Ramsey's and Mr. Ramsey are, has to be like, sorry. The sorry Ramsey's for are very Ramsey. nice, though. So, <laughs> yeah. yes. He drops some wisdom and she receives it in a like open hearted spirit. It's great. I, if my kids do that, I'll be very pleased <laughs> and surprised. <laughs> yeah. I, right now, I like literally the exchange I had today was, um, 
Did you know that cats purr with their local cords? Oh yeah, vocal cords. No, I said local cords. <laughs> but I said what I said. Yeah. Like, look, he when he's right, he's right, and there is no, there is no arguing with it. Talking to the person who spent six months insisting that roasting was the word for when you were cold. Oh, yes. uh, no matter what evidence my mother presented me to, to the contrary no matter how much my dad <laughs> make fun of me by saying roasting cold and freezing hot um, I was just like no I absolutely cannot afford to be wrong about this I am doubling down I'm hoping you weren't 11 at this stage though no <laughs> I knew I was wrong but I absolutely I just couldn't cope with being wrong so I decided that I was, gonna, was not going to admit it <laughs> Do you know, the thing about Eleven is that it is, it's post-small child still trying to work out the world mm. and pre-teenager when you have a whole bunch of stuff to prove. Yeah. So maybe there is a window of receptivity <laughs> to parental wisdom there. <laughs> I better leave myself a reminder for like, yes. you know, tell your kids stuff now before they... <laughs> Before they know more than you. Well, let's still listen to you. Gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying, though, that I think Anna Martin is good at identifying when that stage exists. No. So. <laughs> but she has lucked out here and... Um, yeah, yeah, this seems okay. Jessie is willing to be, like, advised and educated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then we get to the twist. Uh, Derek is getting ready to say goodbye and he has something to confess. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There is no John. Uh, he was the super bad all along. He was the person doing the things that John, that he then attributed to John. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was confessing to Jesse that he did all these bad things, but said it was this guy called John. And Jesse was like, what? This John kid is just being left unchecked. What is this about? This is terrible. <laughs> yes. And also, why didn't John turn up to the breakfast party? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they spent some time trying to, like deliberately invite John to the breakfast party to sort of prove a point to him yeah. and uh, nobody could identify John. <laughs> <laughs> we could not get contact details for the imaginary friend. So, <laughs> Yes, uh, Derek admits that yeah, he's been going through some stuff and um, in conclusion, feelings are weird. Is that you tied the kids' shoes together in gym? You dumped bo- someone's books all over the playground? Derek nodded sheepishly, only because I wanted to make friends so badly. <laughs> Kid, you're doing it wrong. Jess- <laughs> yep. Jesse's like, lol, why? <laughs> why did you do these things? Well, I mean, Jesse almost became a child model because she wanted to be a ballerina so badly. So she's yeah. not really in a position yeah. to judge. Yeah, uh, this is a very complex book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> compared to some of them. I think yeah. that the take home message of this really is feelings are weird. I think like, so. Feelings are weird and just wait till they blow over. <laughs> yeah. We behave in ways that make no sense and just accept. Sometimes you're going to do that. And like just forgiving people for doing stuff when they're in that kind of phase seems to be the best move. Yeah. As Derek's classmates did. I mean, some of them are being arseholes to him as well, but. Yeah. But like, yeah, everyone gets over it and it's fine. And he's going back to LP, but um, he'll be back again someday. And he's, he's made up with his classmates and everything's fine. And that's the end. So the whole, this Jesse and the Superbrat title is actually quite clever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, so when I went into this, and probably the reason I didn't read it as a kid was I assumed the Superbrat was the 
the bratty celebrity kid, but yeah. actually he's a perfectly nice child. Yeah. yeah, I was I was reading it and I was like, why is this title so mean about this kid? Because he's really nice. Mm-hmm. So you think it's going to be him, and then you realize it's John, the terrible yeah. super brat, and then you discover that no, John is in fact Derek. So it's like it's it's. It's three different layers, layers which yes. is a lot for a kid's book. And yeah. I think that's quite impressive. Have you guys read the Shirley Jackson short story, Charles? No. No. Um, so I read this um, as a kid. It was in like an anthology of humor that I was given as a kid. And then it actually turned up in my school English reader when I was in fifth or sixth class. It's about this. It's from the point of view of this mother whose kid is going to preschool and he keeps coming home and telling her about this kid called Charles in his class. Oh, I think I have He's doing it. incredibly bold things. And okay. one day he comes home late because Charles did something really bad and got detention and everyone else stayed to observe him having detention. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's why I'm late. Um, and then he, then Charles gets his act together and her kid isn't so late anymore and doesn't have so many dramatic tales of mischief. And then at the PTA meeting, it turns out that there is no Charles in the class. Um, Apparently there's two interpretations of the story. I had always just assumed that it meant that her kid was the one doing all the bad mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's an alternate reading, which is that actually there's a ghost in the class. Oh. Uh, which I kind of love. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just a really mischievous ghost causing all this havoc. I, I definitely figured it was um, the kid. <laughs> no, obviously that's the more like straightforward interpretation. Well, I like but that. I just I just came across the ghost reading of it this evening and I was like, that's wow. brilliant. And, and I kind of want that to be it now. I love it. Yeah. Also like that you came across that this evening, just when we were well, recording this. Are we because I was like, this book reminds me of the plot twist in that story. And I can't remember what the story is called. So I looked it up and I was like, mm. yeah. there we go. And then on Wikipedia, it was like, but somebody has pointed out that Shirley Jackson writes a lot of spooky stories. So maybe this is a spooky story all along. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I was thinking that, um, yeah, I... When I was reading this, because I hadn't read it before, I did kind of think that um, uh, the, sorry, the whole thing about um, John, mm-hmm. uh, the imaginary John, was Derek making up stuff. Yeah. As opposed to it being him that was doing the things. Um, and I, I just assumed that he was, for some reason, exaggerating and that that would all come out in the end. I didn't realise that it was going to be... Uh, here's all the stuff I was doing, but I'm going to attribute it to a um, an external <laughs> entity, which is just much more complex than I had anticipated. Because of that, of having read that short story, I was like, oh, it's a Charles. He's doing a Charles. Do you think Anna and Martin read Charles? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's from the 40s. So like, she oh. definitely would have had access to it. So I'm, I'm guessing this is like, this is a, a thing. Uh, yeah, it was the disappearing head bump that clued me in. It was like, hmm, suspicious. Yeah. yeah. I knew that was going to be... See, it's it's the reverse happens to my children. I'm like, where did this bruise come from? And they're like, mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was from running around because I am six and <laughs> I fall over all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Why Why would you even ask me this, Mammy? Most bruises are mystery <laughs> bruises. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, in terms of like, there's no outfits in this. There's one description of Claudia. Yeah, she has like a skirt and a t-shirt and footless tights. <laughs> yeah, it's real tame. Yeah. Um, it is actually quite, uh, potentially quite wearable now. Yes, it's, it's like very a crop, timeless. A pink crop top and a red skirt and footless tights, which like, yeah, you could you could get away yeah, with that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and then there's the New York dancers and their shiny leotards and matching leg warmers. And that's literally <laughs> it fashion wise. Karen, I have a question for you. Is everyone terrible in this book? No, people are not generally terrible. Mostly people are doing their best and sometimes missing the mark. Except for the pikes. The pikes are terrible. I, I submit. Triplets are always terrible. Uh, Mallory is doing her best and missing the mark. Yes. Nikki is fine, unusually. Sorry, no, I just meant the triplets, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the New York dancers are terrible. Yeah. Everyone else is kind of okay, and we see some excellent parenting, which is so refreshing. <laughs> yes, I love the Ramses. I love, the Ramses. For that. Yeah. I love them the, for that. This, this is a Ramsey Stan podcast. <laughs> it is. Yes. Um, and we've covered our life lessons, which is sometimes feelings are crazy, and don't escalate and get caught in a bullying war with smaller children than you. And also, breakfast parties need to become a thing. They're totally a romantic era thing, but I think that's more hanging around eating huge amounts of food in the morning and listening to somebody's hilarious um wit <laughs> seems kind of tough going the scare quotes around wit were very audible <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh walter scott tell me more <laughs> somebody bring me some more coffee i would have a breakfast party i would i would go to it in a dressing gown i would be okay with that we almost did last week and that was great yes uh, yes, I, I have posted heavily redacted photos of us on our staff. Our team building weekend away. Uh, we all <laughs> went to a spa hotel. We went in a swimming pool. We did indoor dining in the hotel restaurant. It was amazing. It was wonderful. It was great. It was crazy. Yes. <laughs> we ate in the same room. Yes. And nobody threw Cheetos all over the desk to prove a point. We all behaved ourselves. Yes. And nobody got COVID as far as I know. Yes. <laughs> nobody got COVID. Also, nobody brought like ridiculous amounts of luggage. No. <laughs> yes. You know. <laughs> nobody had a secret admirer slash stalker. And none of us ran up a ridiculous room service bill by charging everything to the room. So. Maybe... And we found a disappointing nun cemetery in the hotel grounds. So it was very boring. The babysitters never tried. <laughs> the babysitters, Claudia and the nun cemetery. <laughs> it would have to be one of the Halloween specials. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they'd have to think it was haunted, but then it wouldn't be. But then, ooh, maybe it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, that nun cemetery was too depressing to even be haunted. It was a real disappointment. Yeah. Very dull. We went and... um. Uh, and contemplated the dead nun cemetery uh, and thought about mortality. Uh, and the real treasure was the thoughts about mortality that we had. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I just thought about how I love a good graveyard, but that one sucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, our next book is going to be number 28, Welcome Back, Stacey. Um, so stay tuned for that. I can't imagine what's going to happen in that one. Mm -hmm. Um. As discussed, I didn't read it because I refused to read Goodbye, Stacey, Goodbye, or Welcome Back, Stacey, because I figured they'd cancel each other out. So I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. You're not wrong. Yeah. You didn't know that you would come to a point in time. Exactly. In your later life where a knowledge of these books would be useful to you. <laughs> For, yes, my extremely weird performing arts hobby. <laughs> I, I literally could not have conceived of this future. Well, no. <laughs> no. 
on so many Who levels. could have? Um, hit us up on our social media. Uh, we, I didn't say it, Karen. I did not say hit us up on the social, but since you made that face at me now, I'm going to say hit us up on the social. Hit us up on the social, you guys. We're on Facebook and Tumblr and Instagram as the podcast at Dawn's House. And we're on Twitter as a podcast Dawn. We have an email at the podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com. And we love to hear from you guys. And if you could give us a positive review on um, Apple Podcasts, that would also be A good be one, please. Uh, yes. Ideally a good one. Yes, please don't <laughs> trash talk us on Apple Podcasts. If you've got this far, you're probably not going to give us a bad one. I think- it's a very long show to hate listen to. Like two hours of hate listening to us would be quite intense. Yeah, this is like the 20th episode yeah. or something. So, if you're, yeah. No, it's it's the 29th I think if you're hate listening to us please go find something else to do we're worried about you (laughs) it's okay that you don't like it like just stop but it's time to move on it's not healthy anymore there's good (laughs) podcasts that would make you happy and like we'd we'd rather you went and had some fun with that go listen to Joe Rogan it might be better for you you know what (laughs) Jesus Karen don't say these things (laughs) you know what if you're hate listening to this podcast just go on Twitter instead there's a lot of people to be mad about and you can kind of like yeah that's true yeah. yeah but not us don't don't add us don't don't add us we're very don't sensitive. Add us. I mean do if you want we'll block you immediately and never hear from you again <laughs> you know yes. it's fine but we'd prefer oh. if you didn't yeah are we needy do we seem needy <laughs> do we come across as emotionally <laughs> needy let us know what you think <laughs> it's okay you can edit all this out <laughs> if we're gonna be needy on main I'm, everyone's gonna know about it <laughs> needy on main <laughs> All right, I think that's everything. Um, I think we have learned everything we're, that we're going to learn from the tale of Jesse and the super brat that was not who he seemed to be, but then he turned out he was who he seemed to be. Uh, and in conclusion, you've got the face, kid. I'm going to make you a star. all your life as a nun you really want the cemetery to involve like hookers and blackjack